This is At Risk Radio. Welcome to At Risk Radio. At Risk Radio is a show where we talk about leadership in the church at risk. My name is Mark Stafford, and I'm the host of the show. I'm here with David Witt. David Witt is the CEO of SLM International and the author of the new book, God's Global Grace Movement, Hope Rising from an Awakening in India. Pastor Singh operates a unique network of churches in India that is ever-expanding. Currently, it's over a million strong. A church planner will often go from village to village and ask the Lord to lead them to a person with a problem. Then after listening to the problem, it gives an opportunity for the church planner to talk about Jesus. In one of these conversations, a church planner ran into Kalia. Now, David, tell us this incredible story. Yeah, I really love this story. And this was a few years ago. And I still remember this testimony and meeting this brother well. There was so much joy in his heart. I get to meet his family and even their Islamic community where they had a little fellowship in the midst of it. And they had such a powerful witness that they, um, a lot of the village and, you know, Muslims and Kindar mean just to hear the gospel. So it was powerful. And also, this testimony represents a growing work of the Lord and unique in India, because a lot of the story, testimonies, you know, we've shared, Mark, are from Hindu background, which is mm-hmm. really 90% of the work. Uh, but it's a unique minority there in, in in India, the Muslim world. Now, you know, people might think, well, it's not, the minority might be fine when they think about it. There's over 200 million Muslims in India, but there's wow. over a billion Hindus. So huh. they are a minority. And there's a great discrimination and bitterness between the um, Hindu uh, majority and a Muslim minority because mm-hmm. of that discrimination. Many of the Muslims do live in poverty and, and they live in threats of difficulty. So this gets, you know, this is kind of very complex when a Muslim comes to Christ, they're already discriminating minority in, in India. This, mm-hmm. I hope people catch the heart here that I think exemplifies the chapter that we continue to go through the India book talking about what God's doing in advance and uh, revival there in India. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Kalia was um, 22 years old when he, I met him and graduated from our, our class there, you know, in our discipleship school. And he was born to a, a fundamental Muslim family and three older sisters and both parents. He talks about how devout they were practicing Islam every day, very closely. His, and, but his father was extremely violent. He said both outside mm-hmm. the home and inside the home so much so that he said his sisters and him would hide from out of fear when they heard their father was coming home. Uh, he said he was addicted. Their father was addicted to drugs and alcohol and lived in a very immoral life. Um, he was very full of pride because he drove a vehicle uh, for a rich man who paid him a lot of money. And that rich man was involved in a lot of immoral, sin-filled life too, he said. And so, and, his, and also his boss protected him from problems, you know, problems with the police or whatever, because he's very influential. So, you know, he felt untouchable and, and um, he just rained terror upon other people and especially his family. He said his father would beat and torture his mom and he would chase her like a dog into the street sometimes. And she would have to hide for days in other people's homes out of sheer terror of him. But, you know, again, in that society, it's not easy to go someplace else. It's absolute shame. Uh, you feel like you're cursed if, you're, if you lose your husband. Um, so she didn't really feel like she had other hmm. uh, options. And because he would take his money and, and selfishly use it for himself, 
um, he wouldn't share his his money's resources with the family. So he talks about they were sometimes days that they would go without food because the mother's income was not enough with a little she could make here and there. And her, he remembers his mother crying out with all a with great honor every day, five times a day. And then one day she met a non-Muslim woman who spoke about, mentioned the name of Muhammad, but didn't add it with the title, may his name be blessed, a peace upon, be upon him. Uh, Muslims always say that when they speak the, the, the name of Muhammad, who they believe is a holy prophet and a holy name. And that caught by surprise. And, um, and so he was very angry and uh, at that person for not honoring the prophet Muhammad, but they more and more, they saw their day, their, their home was like hell. He said, and they're so discouraged about their lives that the mom convinced them fan that they would just commit suicide hmm. and jump in the river because they know how to swim. And so uh, she, they were singing and, and her mom, she said, all of a sudden cried out to Allah and said, if you exist, please come and give me peace. I need a new way of life or I'm going to kill us all tonight. And, and she said that person that it was a woman who didn't say again, mm. peace be upon you for Muhammad's name. That night they, he said, we experienced a miracle that Christian sister came from to our home from a neighboring village. You know, so again, this is the evening, not a good time to travel. Mm. And um, she said that, and when she came, she said, God told her to visit their family and with urgency because she said, God showed her that your family is broken and full of pain. Hmm. Wow. And as a family, we confess that we're planning death within the next hour. Wow. And this precious sister was, she, they said, I like he describes it. He says, she was like God visiting us. I mean, that's, there's wow. the Christmas message. Yeah, really. <laughs> the the uh, advent of Christ there in the sister. She entered our home and, and she, he said, and with a sweet, loving voice, Ask how we were doing. We were in tears, he said, of desperation. Uh, and she shared how God wanted to be there, our Father, and loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us, that Jesus died, rose again, and is alive today. And um, she said, he is the answer to our problems in our life. And she uh, invited us to call upon the name of Jesus. And as a family, we did that for the first time. And he said, you know, when we cried out to Jesus, we had never cried upon his name before. We, in fact, dishonored his name, and he had re we had rejected the name of Jesus our whole life. But the last moment, he said that here we are about to commit suicide and die. We call upon the name of Jesus, and, we, and at that point, we were filled with faith, and we shouted, Jesus, save us from suicide and broken home. Give us peace. And, and God... Uh, and his spirit came upon us, and we had salvation, and and we were given hope, and and that began to transform their whole family. Uh, their dad was gone that whole week. He came home after a week. They invited the house church pastor, and um, he came and led his father for the first time in prayer, and and they're saved, and so changed their life. They got persecuted from their their Muslim community, but they remained steadfast, loving others. And then he heard about the discipleship planning school. You know, church playing school there. He joined it, and uh, now he's been effective in bringing this message and planting the word in these unreached Muslim communities in India. Hmm. Well, when we get back, we'll unpack more how evangelism and discipleship work together in how people are coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We'll be right back. At Risk Radio. 
Can you imagine trying to disciple a church with only one Bible? This is Mark Stafford from At Risk Radio, and our contacts in Venezuela are telling us incredible stories about people coming to know Jesus, all the while pastors are missing Bibles for their people. After receiving a Bible from our ministry, one man said with tears in his eyes, no one has ever given me such a beautiful gift. At Risk Radio, in our partnership with SOM International, is working to bring 2 million Bibles into Venezuela. For more information about how you can help, go to atriskradio.com. Welcome back to At Risk Radio. I'm online with David Witt. David Witt is the CEO of SOM International. David, when Jesus came, he came and he often ministered to people who had a lot of problems, people who were sick, who were sinful, and were lost and dying without hope. Now we see the same kind of thing happen often when people are open to receiving the gospel. Talk to me a little bit about how we see the example of Christ played out in the lives of these people. Yeah, the leadership principle today we want to see of Jesus and that the Lord lays out for the community of Jesus, and we look as is exemplified in India, is how Jesus truly said he came for the sick, not the healthy, the wicked, not the righteous. Um, and so Jesus surrounded himself basically story after story with people who failed. Uh, right, Mark? I mean, would you say that's uh, that's a fair to say the scriptures of Jesus surrounded himself with a bunch of failures? <laughs> yeah, he, he did. Well, then there's that scripture, you know, in First Peter, where it says that God opposes yeah. the proud and gives grace to the humble. Well, mm -hmm. one thing we see about uh, Pastor Singh is that he trains his church planners to go and look for some of these people who really are aware of their need for Jesus. Tell me a little bit about his approach to sharing the gospel. Yeah, because uh, now when he first started out and, and the Lord healed him of his liver disease he's dying from and God sent him out, he would go village to village, preaching the gospel and praying for people with problems. And he said, that's what God taught him to, to look for, because it, God was, God, you know, the, Jesus says he's looking for the people of problems, failures, broken. And and so then God, the Holy Spirit would touch these physical needs and they would open their hearts to the Lord and to understand God's way and uh, be born again. And um, and so that's what Pastor Sig teaches, you know, in the church planning network is that the first thing they look for, for any village they go to that's unreached, never heard the name of Jesus, they look for the people with problems that have been humbled by life. And that because God loves those people and, you know, they haven't heard that message. And so that's the litmus test um, that we look for and that they've exemplified. And so that's why. Kalia's story is so powerful is that we hear all the problems they're having, you know, they're, you know, and they're poor, they're not even eating, he's, they're beaten by their father. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, their lives are just full of pain and suffering. I mean, you know, as far as comfort goes, Mark, that's not the person you necessarily want in the pew next to you at the institutional <laughs> churches necessarily in the United States, yeah, um, you know, because this person, they're coming in with a lot of problems. But yet that's who God loves and they make incredible mm. disciples. And when they're, you know, his life was changed around, here we go. We got this amazing church planner now uh, because it's full of the zeal, love and amazing testimony of what God's done to change around their lives. So talk to me a little bit about how they do discipleship, uh, these church planners. It seems like the discipleship process not only starts right away, but might even start 
before the person makes a profession for uh, faith. Uh, tell, tell me a little bit about how that works with them. Yeah, we see the pattern of Jesus. Jesus discipled the apostles into con- conversion and through conversion and and into discipleship making. And so that's the same way. It's not focused on converting. Only God can convert the heart and mind. So they're, mm-hmm. they're building a relationship, inviting other Indians to join them in loving God, loving others, um, and one of the things they teach is uh, seek one, reach one, teach one. So you just find the person with the okay. problem right in front of you. You reach him, and then you begin to teach him about God. And and along the path, God, the Holy Spirit's going to convert them. We don't need to worry about conversion. What what God, Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples of all nations. And so that's their true discipleship planters. That's what the true church congregation of God is all about, is people who hear God and obey him. Um, and so when they go to these villages, they, they're looking again for those who are receiving the gospel, have a problem, they hear and want to know more. So they like, because Christ said, those who receive me, receive uh, you who is in me. And, and so just receiving the church planner shows that God is working in their heart. And so the disciples, they share their faith. And, and the disciples are getting looking for hurting people to proclaim the good news. And then when they find that in a village, they begin to they tell them, bring their family, bring their friends, and they just begin to pour their lives into them. Now, this might be a little bit controversial, but is it your opinion that, getting back to the scriptures, is it your opinion that the 12 disciples, were, were, they, were they converted before the crucifixion or were they converted after the crucifixion? Uh, what, what, what do you think there? Yeah, that, and, and thanks for bringing it. Yeah, it is controversial. I mean, we're, I always ask people, when were the apostles truly converted? So I let people decide where that point is in the Scripture. Truly everyone agree will agree after crucifixion is when they're born again, for sure, with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and their lives show the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and, they're, and, and yeah, sure. across the board, they're transformed. Um, you know, there was definitely some conversion happening with Jesus. But bottom line, the point that I want people to see is that Jesus was discipling the apostles to conversion. But truly converted was mm-hmm. after the convic- uh, you know, crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so why should we follow any other pattern but to disciple people to Jesus and let Jesus do the c- conversion? Then he gets all the glory. And, and we're free from the blame, <laughs> and we get to enjoy the journey. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, we want to encourage you as you step out in discipling others and being part of the process of people being transformed by the gospel. At Risk Radio always wants to invite you to get involved with those who are risking much. We're doing really dangerous things for Jesus, like we often hear on this podcast. You can get involved by subscribing to our newsletter. Our full color newsletter comes out every month and feature stories from those who are serving on the front lines in the most restricted areas in the world uh, for the gospel. You can sign up at atriskradio.com. You can also help this podcast by subscribing to it, by sharing it with a friend, or by leaving a comment. And we love to hear from you. We'd love to answer questions if you have those. And again, our contact information can be found at atriskradio.com. And last but not least, uh, At Risk Radio and SOM International are funded by well, by you, by our listeners. So if we're funded as you sign up for the to be a monthly donor, when you quote unquote buy books, what do you donate in exchange for a book? Where we're glad to take any donation for any book in the bookstore, and you can find this 
totally donation-driven bookstore at spiritofbarnum.com. Until next time, my name is Mark Stafford, and this has been At Risk Radio. You've been listening to At Risk Radio. For more, go to atriskradio.com. At Risk Radio is a production of SOM International.